right. Well, welcome tonight to our midweek service. Um, we're going to uh, continue on talking about um, Christ and specifically um, Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, and uh, the seven spirits of God that uh, um, that was given unto him and uh, were... We're looking at, uh, understanding tonight. We talked about, uh, a little bit about the fear of the Lord, uh, as kind of the first part. And then we talked about the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom. And, uh, now we're going to talk about a spirit of understanding. And, uh, there's, there's quite a bit of overlap between spirit of wisdom and spirit of understanding. But again, that, you know, kind of explanation, uh, that I always go through is that, uh, uh, in order to get to the point of that wisdom, there is instruction that is given in the form of knowledge. That knowledge must be understood and applied in wisdom. And uh, that's kind of, if you will, go through the book of Proverbs, you see that progression. Uh, so we're going to talk a bit about uh, understanding tonight, um, get a concept of what the Word of God says specifically about that. Uh, why this spirit is important, um, why it is something that uh, throughout scripture you see individuals uh, needing that. Um, and again, it is uh, one of those uh, spirits that, like I said, again, is really, really related to uh, knowledge and wisdom. And we're going to see that kind of right out of the gate when we start talking about it. But uh, let's go ahead and open with a word of prayer. And uh, we will get started tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you again for this opportunity, Lord, to just engage in study and uh, look to your word for guidance and direction. I pray, Lord, that as we look to um, this uh, topic this evening, that you would just give us that understanding that comes through your Holy Spirit. That as we see the, the, the knowledge of you and the, who you are uh, clearly given to us in your word, that we would uh, learn from you, that we would understand the concept, and that we would uh, take those things and use them, Lord, to grow in you, to mature, to make decisions that to glorify and edify, uh, uh, glorify you and edify one another. And again, Lord, um, that uh, tonight we would just have that attentiveness that uh, we really truly need. I pray, Lord, that you would be with me and just be with my mouth and my um, my mind, that uh, the things tonight, Lord, would be pleasing unto you that are said. Thank you again for all that you've done for us. And this I ask and pray in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat> so uh, right there in Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 2, and, and again, that's kind of our, our launching point for this uh, passage Talking about Christ and that, that uh, uh, stem of Jesse, that branch, uh, it says in verse 2, And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding. And again, when we see that, he's relating these two spirits together because of their importance. Uh, these spirits, uh, you know, really ha- are, are tied together. You cannot separate the two. Um, it's along the same lines of what, you know, constantly say about peace. The scripture says that peace and righteousness have kissed each other, uh, meaning that it, it, they are very closely, uh, if you will, intimately connected. 
And you cannot separate one from the other. Uh, that's why we cannot have peace in this life except through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Uh, when people start talking about having peace and safety, as the Bible says, sudden destruction comes upon them. They think everything is all well and fine and everything's great. And then next thing you know is everything's flying apart. Uh, and that's because man is involved. Man tries to bring about uh, peace through uh, uh, very if you will, um, evil ways sometimes and uh, tries to say this is the best way to go about doing it. This is the best way that we can attain it. Well, that's not true. The best way to do it is uh, through Jesus Christ, uh, not through mankind. The best way to obtain peace is obviously uh, through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That's where it starts. Uh, you make peace with God and you'll start making peace with others. Uh, the problem is, is nobody wants to submit under the righteousness of God. Then thus we wind up with the mess that we have today. So um, let's get back to talking about understanding. And if you will, just to get a definition of what understanding is, uh, it is to comprehend. Uh, it is very difficult to understand something if you can't comprehend it. If you cannot comprehend uh, the English language, uh, I will tell you it's very difficult to understand uh, what anybody says today. If somebody is incomprehensible and you cannot understand their speech, and uh, let's say they're speaking uh, Cajun and you don't speak fluent Cajun, you're going to have no idea what that person just said um, because it is uh, it is just completely different. Uh, if somebody comes and speaks a different language, you're not going to comprehend it because you don't understand it. So the, the, the kind of the base root form of the definition of understanding is to comprehend. It is specifically to receive the ideas uh, that are expressed or intended to be conveyed in writing specifically or in a book. Meaning that uh, these ideas that are put in the Bible, and this is, again, something that is very specifically given to writing. And now this is important because we have the written word of God in front of us. Um, while there is understanding from spoken word, there also needs to be understanding from the written word. And this is what he's talking about. It's the ability to receive them. Though once something is read and you look at that and you go, I understand that. You know, if you do some things online and pretty soon you get to one of those pages and it pops up and it says, before you can proceed, you have to read and acknowledge, uh, uh, you know, check this acknowledgement that you have fully read and understood the privacy policy of this page and blah, 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 and so on and so forth. And you click it without reading it. You just generally click yes and move on. Uh, it's kind of how <laughs> those little things work. But to really truly understand, you have to receive it. If you want to truly understand God, it's more than just having a knowledge of him you have to receive that knowledge and understand it. You actually have to take that knowledge and do something with it. Uh, you, if you don't receive the word of God and you don't receive what God writes down and you don't receive what he tells us, uh, then you, you know, you're not going to understand who God is. You're going to wind up having a situation where you think God is one thing and God's going to say, I'm not that. And it's going to wind up with a severe disappointment 
because again, there was no purpose to go about seeking God and seeking his, um, who he is and his will and his word. Uh, it's also defined as to know the meaning of something. When you take a look at the book of Proverbs, he talks about, uh, you know, looking at the dark sayings and having an understanding of them. Uh, you know, the book of Proverbs is not just casual common sense. If it was casual common sense, I, I think a lot of people would be doing a lot more of it. Um, however, there is a deep spiritual meaning with each one of those Proverbs. Um, people have, you know, trying to apply those elements uh, and principles from Proverbs, expecting blessings and benefits without the, without the spiritual component, that's humanism. You're just trying to better yourself. Uh, without getting to know who God is. And all of those Proverbs have a spiritual principle tied to them that is dark, meaning that you have to get the light. You have to get in there and search it out. You have to see, search out the meaning behind it. Uh, also, another kind of definition of it is uh, to be informed by another person. Uh, an understanding comes when you are informed, or if you will, taught, by somebody. Now we know that the Holy Spirit teaches us according to the book of 1 John chapter uh, 2, I believe it is, chapter 2 or chapter 5, um, and he teaches us. We also understand that uh, God uses uh, other believers to teach and to educate for the purpose of growth, and there has to be information that is passed. That information, that knowledge, that understanding all has to be, again, received. And a basic, even more basic understand, uh, if you will, definition of the word understanding is to learn. If you don't understand something, you're not going to learn it. It's just that simple. Uh, if you can't learn something, you will never understand it. Um, it, it creates this problem. The, 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 these all go hand in hand to bring about, if you will, a, 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 a clear definition of what the the bible is using understanding about so let's take a look at a couple of examples and let's turn over to the book of exodus chapter 31 exodus chapter 31 when we take a look at uh what uh, um you know god uses the spirit of wisdom to do uh he uses the spirit of wisdom specifically uh to convey knowledge to be able to accomplish something. So much as we were talking about the spirit of the Lord, which is an enabling spirit, it allows us uh, and, and, you know, moves us to do things and gives us that ability to, to do it. Uh, the same thing can be said about the spirit of understanding. Because in, in uh, here in Exodus chapter 31 and verse 3, uh, here's this guy named Uri, uh, the son of Hur, um, and God says this, I have filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge in all manner of workmanship to devise cunning works, to work in gold and in silver and in brass and in the cutting of stones, to set them in the carrying of timber, to work in, in all manner of workmanship. God gave this man an ability. God gave this man an ability. I'll tell you, there are certain people that have a knack for certain things. It's a God-given talent. It's a God-given talent. You know, a perfect example. Um, 
if I was to go work with, with Mike Nemeth, he'd probably fire me after an hour. <laughs> my my delicate soft hands <laughs> it's too much <laughs> you know, I, I go out there and, and I, I don't have a gift of putting stone up on a wall I, I, I just don't have that gift that's something that God has given him just like I wouldn't ask him to write a legal document <laughs> I mean you know <laughs> some people have it, some people don't. Uh, but, you know, the, I, I look at this and I see the purpose of why Christ would have this. To be given the knowledge, or, excuse me, given the spirit of, of understanding to be able to do the works and accomplish the works that the Lord had given unto Jesus to do. I mean, here he is in the flesh, and he is setting about to do the work of the Father, the will of the Father. There had to be an enabling, because remember, he came as we are. We show up into this life, we're a blank slate. We, we, we don't have, you know, if you will, uh, sometimes these uh, abilities already preloaded some of them come developed later on through the course of it as the lord gives us that spirit that he talks about in wisdom and knowledge and understanding so that we can do these things so in the process of making all of this stuff for the temple or excuse me the tabernacle here god's telling moses i've given this guy yuri he he he's got the knowledge and the understanding to accomplish this, you go to that man. Now, could you imagine that? Out of all the millions of people that are surrounding him in the middle of the desert, God says, go find that guy. Specifically, he says, I want you to go to the tribe of Judah, find the son of her, and go find Uri. I want you to find him and make sure that, or, or bring this guy and you start telling him, okay, this is what God's told me to do. Here's the blueprints. You know, he didn't ask Moses to do it. He didn't ask Moses to build it. He gave Moses the blueprints. He was, if you will, Moses was just a facilitator, coordinator. He was the, he was the supervisor. He was standing over saying, well, that looks good. Yeah, that looks good. No, that's not, God would not be happy with that. There were people that he had that were given to him to accomplish those tasks. Take a look at uh, a couple of chapters over in chapter 35. Chapter 35 in verse 31. <clears throat> Very similar to this. Again, here he is talking about the son of Uri, and it says in verse 31, and he hath filled him with the spirit of God and wisdom and understanding and knowledge and all manner of workmanship. And this guy was, was, was good at what he did. He was a metallurgist. I mean, he obviously knew this, how to do that. He was a woodworker. He was, a, he was also a gemologist. I mean, he knew how to do all this stuff. This guy was obviously fairly gifted of God. And God gave him that so that something would be created for the glory of God. Something would be made for the glory of God. 
The same thing being true with Jesus Christ. That knowledge, you know, being conveyed by God to, to be able to accomplish something. Take a look at chapter 36 and verse 1. Then wrought Bezalel and Aholab, Aholiab, Aholiab, whatever, <laughs> and every wise-hearted man who in the Lord put wisdom and understanding to know how to work all manner of work for the service of the sanctuary according to all that the Lord had commanded. So these guys were helping as well. God just didn't say, okay, Yuri, this whole thing's on you now. No. God gave him individuals to work with. And God gave them that same spirit so that they would understand how to do that. So they would understand how to do that. There's certain people that can understand how to do the same work, and they work together well. Did you bring somebody in there that has no clue? You're, 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 you're going to just muddle the mess. It's going to be horrible. But God gave these individuals this understanding to accomplish something. To build, if you will, the house of God. The house of God, that tabernacle. Go over to 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 7. 1 Kings chapter 7. Uh, in 1 Kings um, chapter 7 and in verse 14, here's another situation. Now, these are physical things that are, are, are being done. These are physical things that uh, the Lord is asking for some accomplishment. And uh, in verse 13, it says, And King Solomon and sent, uh, sent and fetched Hiram out of Tyre. And uh, see here, he was a widow's son of the tribe of Naphtali. And his father was a man of Tyre, a worker in brass. And he was filled with wisdom and understanding and cunning to work all works in brass. So, or excuse me, and he came to Solomon and wrought all his work. So here he is beginning to work in the temple. And what happens here? God has given Solomon wisdom, and he's like, you know, I know a guy. And this guy can handle this work. So what does Solomon do? He's like, go get that guy. I want that guy to do the work that I need done in the temple. And again, this is for the building of the house of God. Now, when you start thinking about this with Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ came here, He is the head of the what? The body. He's the head of the church. The head of the church is referred to as the temple of the Holy Ghost. He dwells in us and each part of us, you know, while we, if you will, have individual temple, we also at the same time have the, 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 um, uh, the collective together being that body of Christ Working together. The tabernacle and the temple wasn't just one small piece. It wasn't all gold. It wasn't all stone. It wasn't all badger skin. It wasn't all, you know, cedars of Lebanon. There was multiple different things for multiple different uses in multiple different areas. God has that purpose. 
And that's what Christ came to do. Christ came to build that church. Christ came for that purpose. He died on the cross for that purpose. He, the, the, the Bible says in Ephesians, he died for the church. So when we realize that this is exactly the same thing that we're, we're seeing here, these men had been given wisdom to do that, the same thing occurs with what Christ is doing. And Christ has done. And at the same time, each one of us, we've all been given an area of understanding that we can use to edify, grow, build the body of Christ. If we will receive that spirit of wisdom, excuse me, the spirit of understanding. But I will tell you this, in today's day and age, a lot of people don't want to understand stuff. They want to be told. And then they bemoan their station because they don't like being told. And the next thing that you wind up seeing is, is that they're dissatisfied because they're stuck in a position that they just don't want to be in. But if they sought understanding, if they sought to do something uh, you know, more, if they sought to, 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 if you will, increase in what God has given them to seek that understanding from scripture. Now the world, you know, uses that to develop careers, but we're not talking about careers here. We're talking about growing in Jesus Christ. Some Christians are just happy to be where they're at and not grow at all. They just want to be that plant that just stays the same all the time. You know what those plants are that stays the same all the time? Fake. Plastic. Silk. Cloth. Rubber. They never grow. Never do anything. But the Lord clearly has a design for us to grow and to bear fruit. A plastic tree will never bear plastic fruit for use. You have to put the fruit on there to make it look pretty. Works. And what's inside? Nothing. It's hollow. It's plastic. There's no benefit. It just makes the tree look pretty. But that's not what God wants us to do. God wants us to grow. God wants us to bear fruit as as the body of Christ. One thing that we see when it comes to wisdom, or excuse me, understanding, is that we see that this understanding involves Understanding God. Now, now this is a difficult thing because sometimes people don't really uh, uh, um, grasp that concept. They, they 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 don't really think that they can understand God. Now, I, I'm not talking about understanding every single aspect of who He is and coming to a complete knowledge and, uh, and understanding of Him. But I want you to see some. Turn to the book of Deuteronomy. 
Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 9. Deuteronomy chapter 9. You know, every now and then there was these verses, or these, not verses, but these, these things that pop up in various different, you know, whatever social media feeds and stuff like that. And somebody was giving a brief synopsis of what the Bible was all about, and they were going to do it like in 60 seconds or whatever. So they're going through every single book because it was too much for a Christian to understand. They were doing it in satire, of course. And they got to the book of Leviticus, and, and uh, the way they describe Leviticus is, stop doing gross stuff. <laughs> and then they came to Deuteronomy, and they said, seriously, stop doing gross stuff. <laughs> I was like, that's good summary. Somebody actually had had some understanding and wisdom of the you know what's contained in these books. But in Deuteronomy chapter uh, 9, I want you to see a couple of verses here. In verse 3, this is this is what God is, is is telling Israel to do because we see that in verse one, Hero Israel, and it says, "Understand therefore this day that the Lord thy God is He which goeth over before thee, as a consuming fire He shall destroy them, and He shall bring them down before thy face. So shalt thou drive them out and destroy them quickly, as the Lord hath said unto thee." Now, now, again, here he is very clearly he's saying, uh, you need to understand this. You need to understand who God is and what he's going to do. Now, what does it say there? It, it says he is a consuming fire. He's going to destroy them. God is a consuming fire when it comes to wickedness and sin. It will be destroyed. That is inevitable. Read the book of Revelation, you find out. It's pretty simple for us to understand that. But here he is saying, I want you to understand this part about who God is. God, you need to understand, he doesn't like the wickedness. He's going to judge the wickedness. But he's going to do it to bring you into a land so that you have peace and rest. He's like, Israel, you need to understand this. And you know what happened? They stopped understanding. They stopped understanding what God did for them. They stopped understanding who he is. They stopped understanding what he loved and what he hated. Take a look at verse 6, same chapter. He says, Understand therefore that the Lord thy God giveth thee not this good land to possess it for thy righteousness, for thou art a stiff-necked people. And he says, look, I want you to understand something. You're not getting it because you're all that great. <laughs> I, I, I just, I look at that verse and, and it, it, to me, that verse just kind of goes, hmm, that's, that's a meditation verse. All the things that we have that is good that God has given to us, do we really deserve it? Or are we stiff-necked people? Come on now, it's Wednesday. We don't want to get convicted, I know. <laughs> but, but you understand what I'm saying. is he, he, he said very clearly, I want you to understand, God knows this about you. 
See, there's an understanding that we should have of God. And it should not be our own mind's understanding, but it should be what is taught to us from the word of God of who he is. Some people think they understand God and they think God's okay with sin. Oh, God, yeah, God's okay with that. He doesn't mind that at all. Yeah, he does. It makes him sick. It's gross. Stop it. <laughs> we, we, we see very clearly that this is, this is what, you know, Israel was supposed to know. If you will, they were supposed to understand who God is. Turn over to, um, Proverbs, Proverbs chapter two. Let's take a look at a couple of verses in Proverbs. We'll jump over to Psalms and then we'll head over to Mark here in just a second. But take a look here in Proverbs um, chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2 and in verse 5. Proverbs chapter 2 verse 5, it says, Then thou shalt understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Then thou shalt understand the fear of the Lord. I'll tell you, one of the main reasons why I decided to start with fear of the Lord is because of the overarching theme behind what the fear of the Lord is. People don't know. People have no clue. If you, I guarantee you, do this. If you want to do a little social experiment, find five of your Christian friends and ask them, what is the fear of the Lord? And ask him to define it. Without a complete, you know, theological dissertation. And you will find a lot of people will say, I don't know really how to describe it. Then how can we understand it? Then, 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 then how in the world are, are, are we going to get these things that he's talking about that we need to get? Where he says, incline your ear unto wisdom. How are you going to get wisdom if you can't understand? How are you going to get wisdom if you don't understand knowledge? If I don't know who God is and I don't fear him, I don't understand that fear and how it impacts my daily decision-making process. Then how in the world can I ever please God by seeking godly wisdom in my life? Turn over to another passage in the book of Psalms, Psalm 107. Psalm chapter 107. Psalm chapter 107, and, and, and take a look here at verse, uh, <clears throat> 43. I like this verse. Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. Just kind of, you know, rhetorical reflective question do we even think that we could possibly i mean possibly understand the loving kindness of the lord and he just said we could when's the last time you you sat down and asked yourself do i really understand the loving kindness 
That's two words put together in the same word to communicate a meaning. Do we even know what loving kindness is? Well, it's, it's when you're, you love somebody, you're kind to them. <laughs> uh, a little bit more than that. It's a little bit more than that. What is being kind? God tells us to be kind. Tells us to be tender hearted. Tells us to be loving towards each other. But loving kindness. Could we describe God's loving kindness towards us? Well, you gotta start with Romans chapter 5, verse 8. The God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Just start there. Why? Because we were not lovable. But we were not lovable. To look upon our sin, to look upon what we've done, to look upon what we had violated of God, we weren't lovable. When we were committing those very, those very same acts, God knew that we were going to do it, and he still said, I'm going to die on the cross for him. I know what he's going to do. I'm going to die on that cross for him. So I can forgive that sin. Loving kindness is is a lot more than just being kind and being loving. It's putting the two together. But the purpose of why I'm reading this verse is so that we can understand it. Whose is it? It's the Lord's. We can understand the things of God, who he is. He doesn't reveal everything about himself to us. But you know, he reveals a lot. And some people are like, oh, I'll never know who God is. So, you know, so what, we don't try? We don't get involved in, in, in the Word of God and search him out and seek him diligently, as the Bible says? We don't find out what his will is and what he wants us to do? We should. Take a look at another passage. Let's go back to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 9 this time. Proverbs chapter 9. <clears throat> <clears throat> so before I have you read this verse, I want to remind you something. Remember what the Levites and the priests were supposed to be doing? They were supposed to be giving and teaching the knowledge of what was clean and what was unclean, right? Okay. So clean and unclean is, is very closely related, and you'll find this if you do a study on the word holy. Um, uh, what, is, what is holy and what is clean is often put together. What is unholy and what is unclean is often put together. So there is obviously a relationship between those two words. So the, the, the priests, that was one of their primary jobs. They were to be conveying the knowledge of what is holy and what is unholy. Specifically in the Levitical law, again, going back to that kind of satirical definition, 
stop doing gross stuff. <laughs> that's gross. Don't do that. <laughs> you know, that, that's not clean. That's not holy. And when we look at holy, we have to keep it in mind that holy is stuff that is perfect and pure and without sin and without corruption. Keep that little kind of basic definition in mind when we read verse 10, Proverbs chapter 9. What does he say there? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. There's there's a lot of people that have a lot of head knowledge, but they couldn't tell you the difference between sin and righteousness if it was sitting there right in front of them wearing name tags. Because they can't, they, they, they really can't discern what is holy. That's a sad thing when we think about a Christian. I don't expect the world to understand the difference. It's pretty clear they don't. And they go out and they do all sorts of stuff. It's just crazy stuff. Bizarre stuff. Stuff that, that, that you look at and go, yeah, stop doing gross stuff. <laughs> but, but you, you look at this and he says that we can have a knowledge, you know, we can have an understanding. We can have an understanding. And, and, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. So it starts off with knowledge. Okay. This is clean and this is unclean. And realizing why it's clean and why it's unclean. You know, today there's a lot of Christians that will try to say, oh, well, this is acceptable. And God says, that's not clean. This is what God says. He says, this is how you get some understanding. Sitting down and knowing what is holy and what is not. Let's go over to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. On uh, Sunday night, we were talking about uh, the bread that uh, they forgot to bring on the boat. And uh, again, the disciples being slightly obtuse did not grasp the concept that God was, or that Jesus Christ wasn't talking about bread when he said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees and, the, you know, and Herod. They just kind of like went right over their head. Uh, but, you know, in both those passages that we read, Mark and Matthew, he, he, he asked them that. He said, how is it you do not understand? There are some things that you would expect people to understand. You would expect people to understand. But again, he's not asking that because Jesus doesn't know, okay? Over there when he's talking about the bread, and, and, and I, I'm sorry I'm not referencing in those verses, but but when he said, how is it, he, he's wanting them to answer that question for themselves. When you, basically, when God asks you a question, he already knows the answer. He doesn't need you to answer. <laughs> he asks a question so that you will answer the question and get an answer for yourself. So that you realize and you can begin to discern and learn. 
So when we see questions like that, he's like, how is it? It's not a matter of that he doesn't know how they are being that obtuse. He knew it was because their, their, their whole heart and their mind was not on the physical things. It was on, or excuse me, was not on the spiritual things. It was on the physical things. They were focused on the fact that they didn't bring bread. And he talks about leaven and all they heard was bread. The two words don't even, I mean, it's, it's like that, that, that old adage, or not adage, but that little pun thing. Everybody had, anybody ever tried to do this? Uh, spell the word roast. R-O-A-S-T. Spell the word most. M-O-S-T. Spell the word post. P-O-S-T. What do you put in a toaster? And people are, oh, they, they want the person to answer. Toast. No, toast is what comes out of the, you put bread in there. Right? That's the way it works. You don't put toast already in there. You get toast out of it. So it's, it's one of those little catch things that they try to, you know, if you will, get your mind thinking about something else. And that's exactly what happened with, with the disciples. All they thought was bread, 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 bread. He says leaven, and they're like, what, bread? <laughs> and, I, and again, I can just see that as one of the Jesus facepalm moments. Like, <laughs> But, you know, here in, um, in this passage in, in, in Mark, in Mark chapter 12 in verse, uh, uh, 33 here, uh, let's back up here a little bit to, to, to verse 28 because this is, this is important for the context. And one of the scribes came and having heard, uh, them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? I'm going to refrain from making commentary on that at this point in time. Uh, in verse 29, it says, and Jesus answered him, the first, sequential, first of all the commandments is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, uh, is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. First, first, first. Preeminent, first. As in number one, not, 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 not contemporary at the same time in parallel or, or, or if you will, in congruence first. Sorry. And you can get off that. You can ask me later about why I did that. Verse 32. And the scribe said, uh, said unto him, well, master, thou hast said truth for there is one God and there is none other but he and to love him with all the heart. And with all the understanding and with all the soul and with all the strength and to love his neighbor as himself is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And Jesus saw that he answered discreetly. He said unto him, thou art not far from the kingdom of God. And no man after that durst ask him any question. But I love this interaction. This is, this is, this is, this is one of the greatest interactions that God has, or that Christ has with some, some individuals here. I, I like how this guy is like, oh, well said. Uh-huh. You realize who you're talking to? <laughs> okay. But, but again, I, I want you to see how he describes this. In verse 33, this scribe says something and he says, and to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding. And Jesus didn't correct him. 
Jesus didn't say, no, 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 no. Now, with all the understanding, I mean, let's think about this. How much understanding are we given? If we could quantify it. And if we were to quantify it, let's just say I have 50 units of understanding. Probably more like five, but 50 units of understanding. (laughs) I take those 50 units of understanding. Do I apply all of that understanding unto God? Am I seeking God in every area of that understanding? Regardless of what field or subject matter the understanding is about. All. All the understanding. This is, in order to love God... There's got to be some understanding of who he is. And some people try to casually love God. They try to casually love God. Well, God isn't something you casually love. He's in, he isn't a person that you casually love. He's God that you wholeheartedly love. And you want to understand every aspect that you can with whatever understanding units you have so that you will love him more. Spirit of wisdom is about understanding God. And if there's one person that ever walked the face of the earth could say they understood God. It's Jesus Christ. He limited himself in his flesh. He had to learn things. He had to, you know, grow in, in wisdom and understanding. Uh, all of that stuff, just, just like we did. But I'll tell you this. He truly understood God. He had a relationship with the Father. You're like, well, he is God. I, I get that. I understand that. But at the same time, God's setting an expectation saying, you can do that too. You can, you can try to understand him. You can engage in that activity. You can seek him out. But if there's one thing that I know about understanding is, is that we have to understand, we have to understand this about understanding. It's God given. It's God given. There are some people. God didn't give understanding to. They just, (laughs) I'm trying to be polite here. (laughs) You insert whatever little colloquialism, you know, you want to throw in there about whatever it is, and you know, how many fries short in the Happy Meal or whatever, chicken nuggets or whatever. Um, But uh, there's some people that don't have understanding. There are just some people that don't have understanding. But I'll tell you this, there are some people that don't have understanding about worldly things and they may not know how to operate a a motor vehicle and they may not know how to do this and they may not know how to do that and they probably couldn't hammer a nail straight if if their life depended on it. But I'll tell you this, they got an understanding about God. I'll tell you, one of the guys that was like that was Nathan Bemis. He was the only kid in third grade that drove to class. 
I want you to think about that for a minute. Got held back a little bit. The Marine Corps had some reservations about taking him. If the Marine Corps has some reservations, then you really got to wonder. He had a hard time understanding stuff, but I'll tell you this. That man loved God. That man loved God. And he, he, he sought God with his heart. He sat there and he studied the scriptures and he went to went to a, a, a Bible institute so he could do that and then then the Lord called him to preach. People are like, Oh, you can't preach. Well he did. Apparently he didn't get the memo that God sent to everyone else. Which I don't think they actually got the memo. I think they just made that up. Because they had an expectation of what they thought somebody should be. God likes to blow expectations apart. But I'll tell you this. Understanding comes from God. Turn to 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 3. Here's here's the situation. I don't know if you ever noticed this. But I want you to see how, you know, the, the Lord gave Solomon wisdom. We know that from Scripture. But look at how this conversation goes. In, in, in verse uh, 5 of 1 Kings chapter 3. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5. And Gibeon the Lord appeared on Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David my father great mercy according as he walked before thee in truth, and in righteousness and uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness, that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father. And I'm but a little child, and I know not how to go out or come in. He's a king that's admitting, I have no idea what I'm doing. You know, it's always good to go to God with that first. I like this prayer. God, you've blessed, you have blessed, and you have blessed. And here I am getting a recipient of that blessing, being a recipient of that blessing. And I have absolutely no clue what I'm doing. I will tell you, that last part right there, I know not how to go out or come in. When the Lord asked me to, 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 to be a pastor, I'm like, I have absolutely no idea what I'm going to do. God, I have no clue. I didn't go to school for that. Oh, what do you want? I, 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 I don't know. What am I supposed to do? And I just prayed and I said, God, I'm going to need all of you to help me because I am nothing. And then there's that verse, faithful is he who calleth you who will also do it. Well, take a look at what happens here in verse uh, verse 8. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. 
Give me therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people. That I may discern between good and bad. Now isn't that interesting we were talking about knowledge of the holy. For who is able to judge this thy so great a people? You know what he asked for? Understanding. Well, he say he asked for wisdom. God gave him wisdom. But he asked for wisdom, because, or excuse me, understanding, because that's what his father told him to ask for. Proverbs chapter 4. He said, you need to get understanding. You need to get that. And, and this is exactly what he asked for. And I want you to see this, that, you know, this is God-given. And why is this important about being God-given? So that we can judge. There's a lot of stuff that comes at us on a day-to-day basis, isn't there? You ever make a bad judgment call about it? I'm not talking about going around and judging people. And he was put in a position of authority to do that. When's the last time we went to go to the Lord and said, I have no idea what I'm doing, Lord. I need, I need your understanding, your spirit of understanding to help me judge these matters in my life. I, I, I need that. This is what Solomon asks for. Understanding. Take a look at what he says in verse 11, or, or excuse me, down, go down to verse 10. And it says, in the speech pleased the Lord, that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, because thou hast asked for this thing, and hast not asked for long li- for thyself long life, neither hast thou uh, hast, uh, asked for riches for thyself, nor uh, hast asked for the life of thine enemies, but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. He says, behold... I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. Just because he asked for something that really wasn't even for himself. He just wanted to do right by the people that God had given him to rule over. It's that simple. I tell you, that should be a prayer in every father and mother's heart. Every last one. Because <laughs> nothing prepares you for parenthood. Oh, I'll get a dog. There are nothing like dogs. Can't leave them alone at home. Leave a little, you, you, look, if you cage up your child, you're going to get a call from Child Protective Services. You know, they're not the same thing. Like, oh, I'll borrow my, you know, nephew or niece or, no, not the same thing. Why? Because you can give them back. Like, at, at the end of it, you're like, I'm not fit for this. Give them back. You know, if it's your own kid, you don't get to do that. Well, like, you can, but it's not right. But you understand what I'm saying is, is, is here he is, he says, God says, I'm going to give you a wise and understanding heart because you asked for understanding in, 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 to discern judgment. To discern judgment. What to God that every Christian asked for that. 
there'd be a lot less poor judgment calls, a lot less poor decision making, a lot less heartache and horror in their life. I mean, this is what God did. Take a look at chapter 4 in 1 Kings here in verse uh, verse 29. Jump down to verse 29. And it says, And God gave wisdom or gave Solomon wisdom and understanding, exceeding much and largeness of heart, even as the sand that is on the seashore. That That's a lot of understanding units. That's a lot of understanding units. And, and, and when you think about it, he had a lot of understanding. Now, again, Solomon had some issues later on in life. Because again, he stopped, he stopped seeking after the understanding of God and he went after understanding of himself, as he talks about in Ecclesiastes. But what we find here is that God gave it. God gave it. Solomon asked for it. God gave it. It's God given. First Chronicles, um, chapter, uh, 22. First Chronicles, chapter 22. First Chronicles, uh, chapter 22. <clears throat> Verse 12. Again, this is, this is, uh, you know, talking some things about Solomon here. Um, and, and we have, uh, in this, this, um, passage, you know, David is, is talking to, um, to, to Solomon and, um, you know, he starts it in verse seven and he gets down there to verse 12 and it says, only the Lord give thee wisdom and understanding and give thee charge concerning Israel that thou mayest keep the law of the Lord thy God. Then thou shalt prosper. If thou takest heed to fulfill the statutes and judgments which the Lord charged Moses concerning Israel, be strong and of good courage, dread not, nor be dismayed. I like that. He doesn't say fear not. He says dread not. Dread not. You know, there's a lot of things that are dreaded. I mean, I look at that, and, and if there's a reason that David said something, I wonder if Solomon was a little apprehensive about taking the throne. You ever dread something? You ever dread doing something? Oh man, there's a lot of stuff that I've dreaded. There's a lot of stuff that just, I mean, you know, on the, on the scale of not wanting to do it, you had to be drugged, you know, dragged kicking and screaming. Claw, the claw marks are still visible on the floor where the Lord dragged you. I mean, it's just, yeah. It's amazing you think that, but he there was dread. And he tells him, don't dread it. Don't dread it. Be strong and of good courage. Why? Because, again, only the Lord give thee wisdom and understanding. You know what David's saying? The only way you're going to get through this, Solomon, because you can't escape it right now, you're going to be king. The only way that you're going to do this successfully is with God. That wisdom, even David acknowledged, God given. That understanding, God given. We have to get that concept. 
There's a couple more verses that I want to cover uh, in regards to that, but I, I you know, we, we can cover those next week. But again, this kind of gives us a good understanding of what we're looking at about that word. Uh, I mean, again, you know, there, there's there's stuff there, there's this knowledge that and understanding that's given by God specifically to accomplish. There's 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 an understanding of who He is, which again is God given because of who who He is. He reveals Himself, and here we find in this passage again another situation where are these passages with Solomon where it's God given. Solomon, the things that he wrote, the, the the volumes, the people that would come and seek wisdom from him about how to rule their kingdoms and and, and deal with their issues. It was the wisdom of God. It was the understanding of God. It was that spirit of understanding that was given to Solomon. And I, and, and, and I like that part in Mark chapter 12 where it gets to a point of where they don't want to ask Jesus any more questions. Because they know he understands. They know he understands. But they choose not to receive them anyways. But that's a different uh, topic for another day. But let's go ahead and close with a word of prayer. And uh, we'll be dismissed. We'll pick up this again, uh, Lord willing, next Wednesday. Dear Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for the time. Thank you again for an opportunity, Lord, to just uh, get into your word and to see what you have for us. I pray, Lord, that you would uh, just uh, continue to use these things that we've talked about, discussed and seen specifically from your word uh, to, to mold us and shape us into those believers you want us to be, Lord. We'd be the yielded clay to your hands to be used as vessels for your purpose, fit for your use. And I pray, Lord, you just take us home safely tonight, and I ask and pray all of this in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.